Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Kirk Cragthorpe kicks off our memory lane series of this week. It's coming up. We'll talk about Stockton, Sloan, Layden. Carl, all of it coming up on today's edition of Tip Off. Bum 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 bum. Pow! It's actually Locked On Jazz. Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, here's the plan. I'm I'm. This is me on tape. Well, I'm always on tape, but I'm usually on tape recording at the day of talking to you. So that's kind of me live, just hanging out with you. But this is actually on me on tape, hanging out with you. So what we're going to do this week on this week of August 15th is today, Jazz History with Kirk Cragthorpe. Tuesday, Jazz History with Steve Loom. Wednesday, we'll look at the current Jazz with Spencer Nelson. Next week, I'm hoping to have a Frank Layden long form, probably two-parter for you on the 22nd and 23rd. And then Tony Jones on the 25th. Uh, so a lot of content still coming your direction. Then I'll come back with you, uh, really me, the real me, having a coffee with you, hanging out with you on the 30th of of August. All right, does that sound good? That's that's the plan. So today, uh, let me tell you a little bit about how this works. So last year on Jazz Broadcast, we did these interviews called This Day in Jazz History, and we had these great little sound bites in the uh, Jazz Broadcast crew, put them together fabulously, and they were really cool. Well, the way we got them done is in October of last year. This was actually recorded October 19th of last year. I sat down with Kirk Cragthorpe and went through his memories as a former jazz beat reporter. So it's not really like a free-flowing interview. It's a little crooked, and there's times where I might ask him a question he doesn't totally remember it. Um, I tried to edit those out a little bit. So just to understand what this is. Uh, but I thought it would be cool for those of you to be able to go back and just kind of hear the thoughts on the old jazz days and relive some of those memories. Tomorrow we'll do it with Steve Loom. Uh, remember, lots of stuff up on the Locked On Jazz Podcast and the Jazz Podcasting Network, so make sure you check all that out. Here is today's Jazz History Stroll with Kirk Cragthorpe. 1989 is that Jazz win against the Bulls. Stockton wins it late. Do you remember that game? I can kind of dig up some stuff for you on that one. It's kind of a, it's an all-time, it's one of the all-time Jazz classics. Stop me if you already know what I'm talking about. Um... I do remember that very distinctly. All right, let's go for it. What I especially remember about that game, it was that was the first year that they actually used tenths of seconds on the shot clock. So if I remember right, there were like 3.6 seconds left on the sh- on, on the shot clock or the game clock, in essence, which is above the basket. And so John knew he had slightly more than three seconds when he took the ball out of bounds that makes sense and so he was able to make it all the way down the court and flip it up and I also remember the, the ball bouncing on the rim about three times before it finally fell in and it all made for a great moment at the Salt Palace uh, in 1990 
Stockton has a game against the Clippers in which he scores 27 points and has 23 assists. 15 of them assists in the first half, which was a franchise record. Any Thurl gave me a good memory on it, so if you don't, that's fine. But any memory on that one? Was that on the road? Give me one. Yep, it was. It was on the road. They won at 105-95 against the Clippers. Okay, not to discount John's performance that night at all, but the statistician for the Clippers in those days was a guy with Salt Lake City ties, and he was very conscious of making sure that John did get the number of assists that he was worthy of. And I'm not saying, again, that he he, he cheated at all, but he, he definitely wanted to make sure John got credit for enough assists, and he literally came in the locker room and showed John the stat sheet. But I know this, and I told the guy right at that moment, John doesn't care about those numbers. Great story. Anything about um, Frank resigning? Yeah, I just remember early in that 1988 season that what a shock it was that, that Frank quit right then and there. What wasn't surprising was the notion that that was going to be his last year and that Jerry was ready to take over. Dave Checkett's made that pretty clear in some preseason stories that we did. But to have it happen right then and there in early December was quite a shock. And and I always remember Bobby Hansen saying that was vintage Frank. He never did anything by the book. And so to leave at that time was kind of an orthodox thing to do, but maybe not totally out of character for Frank. Sweet. Uh, December 26th. 1989, Jazz played the Warriors at home and scored 80 points in the first half of that game. Any memory of that? I actually don't have a specific memory of that, but I I do know that that was the year I really saw the Jazz offense come together. Malone, Stockton, Bailey, all those guys were really capable scorers and and. And they just really shot a high percentage that year, so numbers like that don't quite astound me. Okay, yeah, Malone was sixteen of twenty-one. Uh, what did yeah. you see in that offense clicking in that year? What was it that you saw there? I think it was just a familiarity with each other, and obviously Jerry Sloan was known for his defensive emphasis, but Bill Johnson, as the assistant coach, was basically the offensive coordinator, to use a football term, and so. I just think that they really got familiar with with how to operate that system and and just thrived in it. Did you cover the game when Malone had sixty one against Milwaukee? Yes, yes, I, I yeah, I, I got good stuff on Go that. For it. Go for it. The common or almost an urban legend about that game is that it came the night after Carl found out that he wasn't selected for the All Star team in the fan voting. And in reality, that's kind of been distorted because there was a game in between when he actually didn't play very well, but then he came out against the Bucks and just went crazy. And everyone had kind of attributed that to the all-star snub. But again, that, that kind of got altered over the years into people thinking that it was an immediate response when actually it was kind of a delayed response. But knowing Carl the way we do, I'm sure he was still motivated at that point. 88, March 14th. Stockton gets his first ever 2020 thorough 
ends up with 41. Thurl told the story that John uh, that Carl got ejected like three minutes into the game. Um, I don't know if you have any memory of it. It was at Denver against oh, yeah, the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My recol- yeah, my recollection of that was that Carl got ejected later in the game, but I I do distinctly remember that it was it's such a great opportunity for Thurl, kind of in an era where the mailman had overshadowed Thurl in a lot of ways, and being demanded to deliver. Uh, to use the mailman expression, the way he did that night, Thurl really responded. And it, it was kind of a a heartwarming game in a lot of respects because it kind of reestablished Thurl as such a presence on the Jazz team, which, again, had been kind of overshadowed by Carl's development. Um, can you give me a big picture just on Stockton's durability and just his longevity? Yes, it's staggering to think of John playing at the level he did for so long and so consistently. The the greatest thing you can say about any pro athlete is that they do it every night, and that's so described, John. If, If you bought a ticket and came to see the Jazz play, expecting to see John Stockton at his best, odds are that's exactly what you are going to get, regardless of when and where it happens. Uh, how about Malone's scoring prowess? What impressed me about Carl is, is he added to his game as his career went along. He had some raw skills, obviously. But if you look at the, the free throw shooting in particular that he developed from year one to year two to year three, and then just the repertoire of his offensive game just grew and grew. He became a much better mid-range shooter. And then, of course, running the court. Would, would be his hallmark. He got so many baskets just out of sheer speed and effort taking John Stockton's passes to the basket. All right, that is fabulous. That is 